happening, International Christian Fellowship Rome and ICF Rome around the country and around the world. Welcome to our Sunday encounter. This is Pastor Jennifer Pasquale, and I'm so thankful that you are joining us. I have my sign today, smile, because I want you to know God wants to give you a word for your life that puts a smile in your heart. I also want you to know as you lean into the presence of the Lord, as you lean into the worship and the word, let God do something in you that will cause you to put a smile on his face. He has a great and powerful word for you this morning, and I'm so glad you're joining us. Amen. Amen. I am so excited to see all of you this morning in person, January 8th, and we are going to open our first in person together with communion. So as we continue to reflect on who God is and what he has done, this is an opportunity. We serve an open communion at this church. That means that if you uh, are not a member of this church, that's okay. We're a part of the body of Christ. And as a part of the body of Christ, we can participate uh, with communion. This is an opportunity for everybody to reflect on their relationship with God. If necessary, commit your life to God recommit your life to God. Our um, servers are passing out the elements and we'll take communion together. Isaiah 53.5 says he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. By his stripes, we are healed. 1 Corinthians 11.23, Paul says, And the same thing that was given to me, I now give to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, gave thanks, and broke it. And he said, This is my body, which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You know, the psalmist said in Psalms 139, Search me, O God. And this is an opportunity for us to ask, invite the Holy Spirit to come and search us. That we can reflect His nature, His power, His presence within us as we partake of communion together. I'm going to, first we're going to take the bread together. And so we do, we remember the broken body of Jesus that was broken for us, that we could be healed. And so, Father, I thank you for your body that was broken for, for our healing. And God, I thank you that you healed yesterday and you healed today and you're going to continue to heal tomorrow. God, I thank you that on the cross you said it is finished. And so, God, we partake together of, of this bread in remembrance of your broken body for us that we can have healing. In Jesus' name, amen. In the same way, he took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus, when he went to the cross, he gave us a new covenant. No longer do we bring animal sacrifices. No longer do we have to 
um, sacrifice anything. Jesus' sacrifice was enough. His blood is the new covenant, the new promise. So Father, we thank you. We thank you for your blood that was poured out for our sins. God, we thank you that by your stripes we are healed. God, we thank you that your sacrifice on the cross was more than enough. And God, we do. We remember your sacrifice. We remember who who you are. God, thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus for our salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake of the cup together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your power and for your presence and for your broken body and your blood that was poured out for us. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives and what you have already done in our lives. God, we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. As we continue to reflect on who God is and who God was and who he will continue to be, Let us celebrate together all that God did in ICF Church in 2022. Wow, hallelujah for all that God did in 2022. Amen? Amen. In 2022, our theme was complete. And certainly we have many examples of how we were truly complete in Christ. And as you can see on your chair, you'll also find As we go into 2023, we're talking about living proof. You know, our worship team saying today, I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. I know who I am. I know what you have spoken. And as we are complete in Christ, we are discovering, developing, and deploying that Jesus within us to people around us. Amen? For those of you who were available to watch online last week, um, January 1st, we began with living proof, discovering who God is. As we experience and understand who he is, who Jesus is, the ultimate living proof of God working in our lives and situations, We are better able to adopt and adapt his character and nature in us so that we can be the living proof of who he is to those around us. We talked about that for Hagar, he was Jehovah Elroy. He saw her exactly where she was. We talked about that for David, he was Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. For Moses, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner hovering over my situation. And Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Psalm 91 describes him as Jehovah Maxi, the Lord is my refuge. For Gideon, he was Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is our peace. For Abraham, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. He is also Jehovah Goel, our Redeemer. El Shaddai, the Almighty. Jehovah Adonai, our Master. Jehovah Elolam, the everlasting God, and Jehovah Shammah, the God who is present. We talked about Malachi 3.6. For I am the Lord. I do not change, but I remain faithful to my covenant with you. We talked about how it's our circumstances and our needs that create the opportunity for God to reveal more of his character and nature to us. And we adopted the prayer of Paul for you. From Colossians chapter number 2, verses 2 and 3. 
For my hope is that you, that your hearts may be encouraged as they are knit together in unselfish love so that they may have all of the riches that come from the full assurance of understanding of the joy of salvation, resulting in true and more intimate knowledge of the mystery of God, that is Christ, in whom are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge regarding the word and the purposes of God. We have to know who he is so that we can understand who he wants to be through us to others. And so last week we talked about who God is. This week we're going to talk about who he wants to be in us so that we can be living proof, so that we can reflect his character and nature to those around us. So it's our turn. It's our turn to be careful to know him so that we can reflect his character and nature to others ourselves. Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 27. For you who are born again have been reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, and are all children of God, set apart for his purpose with full rights and privileges through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, into spiritual union with Christ the anointed, have clothed yourselves with Christ. That is, you have taken on his characteristics and values. Isn't it amazing that as children of the Most High God, as co-heirs with Christ, we have taken on his characteristics and values so that where we go, Jesus goes. Where we go, we are the Bible that people can read. We are the Jesus that people can meet because God in us is able to be reflected out of us. We are able to be living proof of who he is. 1 Peter 2.9 goes on to say, But you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. And now he claims you as his very own. You as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. At offering time, we talked about blessed to be a blessing. Here in Peter chapter 2, it says he did all of this so that we would broadcast, not so that we could just be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, not just so that we could know God ourselves, but so that we could broadcast his glorious news to all of those around us. This is the good news. We are not orphans, slaves, or sinners. We have been adopted and chosen. We are the holy priesthood, co-heirs. We have taken on the characteristics and values of Christ so that we can broadcast his glorious wonders through the world and be living proof of who he is. Yet, sometimes... We have identified ourselves in a manner different from the way God has identified us. Sometimes that identity that we have adopted limits our potential. 
What if we identified ourselves as God identified us? Let us consider a couple examples of people who have adopted a different identity for themselves than the identity they had in God. David reminds us our identity is not limited by our self-image or the identity put on us by our family. You see, David identified himself as meaningless, less than, merely a shepherd. He said, who am I and what is my family in Israel that I should be the king's son-in-law? David exclaimed, my family is nothing. When Saul's men saw David, they said, how can a poor man from a humble family marry the daughter of a king? But God saw him as a leader. 1 Samuel 16, 18. David continued to succeed in everything he did, for the Lord was with him. God said to Samuel to say to David, I took you from tending the sheep in the pastures and selected you to be the leader of my people. What if David continued to adopt the identity that he had for himself instead of the identity that God had for him? What if he refused to recognize himself as leader and only recognized himself as shepherd? Moses reminds us that our identity is not limited by our weakness. You see, Moses identified himself as stutterer, stammerer, unable to lead. In fact, when God spoke to him in a burning bush, he said, Oh, master, please send somebody else. But God said to him, I will send you to Pharaoh and then bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. He said, I will be your mouth and I will teach you what to say. You see, Moses identified himself as unable. He had all sorts of excuses, but God identified him as called, sent, leader, deliverer. Hagar reminds us that our identity is not limited to how people view us. We talked about Hagar last week. She identified herself as outcast, excluded, hidden, humiliated, runaway, But God saw her as included, a part of the future of many generations. When the angel appeared to to Hagar, he said, Where did you come from and where are you going? And she said, I am running away. But the angel said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord continued, Behold, you are with child, and you will bear a son, and you shall name him Ishmael. God hears, because the Lord has heard and paid attention to your suffering. She called him the God who sees, because God saw her. You see, sometimes we feel like we are alone, that we are humiliated, that we are outcast, that we are excluded, that we are not good enough, but God sees you exactly where you are. And God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He is Jehovah Elroy, the God who sees, and you are included in the family of God. Jeremiah reminds us that our identity is not limited by our insecurities. Jeremiah identified himself as incapable and too young, but God identified him as set apart, prophet to the nations. 
Jeremiah 1, 5 through 7 says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. But Jeremiah said, O sovereign Lord, I can't speak. I am too young. But the Lord replied, Don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And where you live and where you work and where you go to school, there are people that God put you there for such a time as this to be living proof of who he is to them. Do not say, I am too young. Do not say, I am too something. God set you apart. God appointed you. God knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb, and he set you apart for his plans and for his purposes. Saul reminds us our identity is not limited by our past. Saul, you might remember, was a part of the the martyrdom of Stephen, throwing stones at Stephen so that he could be killed. And in Acts, he's described as a terrible persecutor. But God saw him as a special messenger, chosen instrument, personal representative. In fact, we know that Paul wrote more than half of the New Testament. We are not limited by what we used to be because when God comes in and transforms us and turns us into the thing that he wants us to be, we are able to fulfill the potential that God has destined for us. Amen? Jacob reminds us that our identity is not limited by our actions. We may remember that Jacob tricked his father into giving him the blessing of the firstborn son instead of Esau. In fact, Jacob's name meant supplanter, cheater. But in Genesis 32, we find the story of Jacob wrestling with God. Jacob stayed behind by himself, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he couldn't get the best of Jacob as they wrestled, he deliberately threw Jacob's hip out of joint. The man said, let me go, it's daybreak. Jacob said, I'm not letting you go till you bless me. The man said, what's your name? He answered, Jacob. The man said, but no longer. Your name is no longer Jacob. Your name is no longer cheater, supplanter. From now on, it is Israel, God wrestler, for you have wrestled with God and you have come through. He was renamed from cheater, supplanter to God prevails, Israel. You see, sometimes we have to be deliberate in our relationship with God, spending time with him, Jacob wasn't going to let God go until he blessed him, right? And so sometimes that requires diligence, fervor, right, in order to be spending time in the presence of God. How can you be like someone that you don't know? How can you be like someone that you don't hang out with? Spending time with God in the secret place, in our prayer closet, that might be your shower, it might be the car, it might be the metro on your way to work, church or school in his presence this is how we discover him and connect with him on a more intimate level you say Jacqueline I don't 
I don't know how to do that. Well, you can start with the Bible. You can start with reading the Bible. And Jesus himself told us how to pray. In Matthew, the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, Pray like this, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. You see, Jesus doesn't require any sort of magic words. We can talk to him the same way that I'm talking to you now, the same way that I talk to my children at home. This is the same way that I can talk to Jesus. So you might say, I don't know how to do that. That's okay. You know how to talk to your friend, to your wife, to your husband, to your children, at your job. It's the same way that you can talk to Jesus. Mark 9.29 reminds us that some things only come by prayer and fasting. Philippians 2 reminds us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. What am I talking about? I'm talking about you have to be purposeful in developing your relationship with God. You have to purpose in your mind. You have to determine that you are going to spend time with God because you want to reflect his character and nature to other people. Not only do you want God to transform you so that you can have peace that passes understanding, so that you can have joy unspeakable and full of glory, so that you can encounter Jehovah Jireh, my provider, Jehovah Shalom, my peace, Jehovah Nisi, my banner. But you want to know God so that you can reflect that out to others. This requires purposeful determination to spend time with God. So Philippians 2, 12 through 13, it says, So then, my dear ones, just as you have always obeyed my instructions with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. That is, cultivate it. Bring it to full effect. Actively pursue spiritual maturity with awe-inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend or discredit the name of Christ. For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work, strengthening, energizing, creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. How can you be all that God has called you to be? How can you be the living proof of who God wants to be in and through you unless you know him? And how can you know him unless you spend time with him, time in his word, time in his presence? 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, it says, For this very reason, applying your diligence to the divine promises, make every effort in exercising your faith, to develop moral excellence. And in moral excellence, knowledge, insight, understanding. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, steadfastness. And in your steadfastness, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly affection. And in your brotherly affection, develop Christian love. That is, learn to unselfishly seek the best for others and do things for their benefit. For as these qualities are yours and increasing in you as you grow towards spiritual maturity, they will keep you from being useless and unproductive in regard to the true knowledge and greater understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is Paul saying here? Paul is saying here that it's not enough to just know God. 
You must learn his character and his nature. You must learn his identity. You must learn those characteristics that are described in Galatians chapter 5, those fruits of the Spirit. And how can you learn those things unless you purpose to spend time in his presence, time in his word, time with him? It goes on to say, for whoever lacks these qualities is blind, short-sighted, closing his spiritual eyes to the truth, having become oblivious to the fact that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, believers, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you, be sure that your behavior reflects and confirms your relationship with God. For by doing these things, by actively developing these virtues, you will never stumble in your spiritual growth, and you will live a life that leads others away from sin. What is this saying? By doing these things, by spending time with God, by spending time in his word, by spending time in his presence, by getting to know his character and his nature, this is the way that you can be the living proof that you can reflect who God is to the people around you, to your neighbors, to your coworkers, to your fellow students, to your fellow man on the metro. It isn't enough to just be saved. God wants us to be saved, redeemed, transformed, set free, free indeed, so that we can truly be the living proof of who he is to those around us, so that we can broadcast his glorious works to all who we encounter. Abraham reminded us that our identity is not limited by human or earthly definition. You see, Abram's name was changed from Abram to Abraham, from limited to limitless. God, the Bible says, no longer shall you be father, but your name shall be father of a multitude, for I will make you the father of many nations. Simon Peter reminded us that our identity is not limited to our profession. You might remember that many of the disciples were fishermen, but God made them fishers of men. In fact, Jesus said to Peter, and I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Amen? Peter was a fisherman, but he wasn't limited to his profession. He became a fisher of men, and we use his story to be living proof ourselves to those around us. Gideon reminds us that our identity is not limited by our status. Gideon thought he was insignificant, but God saw him as mighty warrior. Mary reminds us that our identity is not limited to what has been. Mary went from a lowly servant girl to blessed and highly favored. Luke chapter 1, it says, For he set his tender gaze upon me, his lowly servant girl, and from here on, everyone will know that I have been favored and blessed. I love so much the song that they sang this morning. I know who I am. I know what you've spoken. As I said at the beginning, what would happen if we adopted the identity that God has for us and we set aside the identity that we had put on our own selves that was less than what God intended for us to be? 
What if we stepped in to the full power, the full anointing of the call of God on our lives, and we actively reflected the living proof of Christ in us? That's my challenge for each and every one of us in 23, that we will learn God in a new and intimate way so that we can truly be that living proof. Some of us have had seasons, or maybe we're in one right now, where we're identifying as our predicament. In 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah identified himself as spent, weary, done, down and out, depressed. He prayed that he would die. But God saw him as sent, as chosen. He told him to go back. I'm not done with you, Elijah. So if you find yourself worried, depressed, anxious, if you have breath in your lungs, God's not done with you yet. He still has a job for you to do. In Luke 8, Mary Magdalene identified as demon-possessed, but God saw her as a disciple of Jesus, a missionary even. In John 4, the Samaritan woman was identified as an adulterer, the woman at the well, you might remember her. Jesus asked her, who is your husband? And she said, I don't have one. But God saw her as appointed. In fact, some might say she was the first missionary. The adulterous woman, they picked up stones to stone her. They identified her as accused. But Jesus identified her as absolved, atoned. What am I trying to say? That sometimes we limit ourselves. Sometimes you might say, Jacqueline, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what my family has done. You don't know where I've come from. I don't care. You are transformed by the power of God in you. You are not limited by the definition that you have put on yourself. You are not limited by the definition that other people have put on you, even if those people are your family. You are defined by the character and the nature of an almighty God living in you so that you are fully equipped to be the living proof of those around you to broadcast the glorious wonders of who God is. Jesus is proof that we can be transformed into how he designed us. The Bible reminds us that the blind saw, the lepers were cleansed, the paralytics walked, the dead were raised, the demon-possessed were delivered and became disciples, the poor became prosperous, the hungry were fed. Today we have the opportunity to decide, are we going to put on ourselves the identity of limited or are we going to adopt the character and nature of an almighty God and be limitless and fulfill the potential that God has for each and every one of us. Stand with me as I close this service today. remember my father, Pastor Rick. He taught me only one way to close a service, and that's with everybody coming to the front of this room. And so if you're comfortable, I'm going to invite every single person to come to the front of this room now. Holy Spirit, how do you see me? What do you love about me? 
In what ways are you drawing out of me the identity that you see in me? What can I do? How can I align my thoughts? What steps can I take to recognize how you see me? As everybody is coming to the front of this room, I'm going to invite all of us to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us how he sees us so that we can be our true identity in Christ so that we can reflect him as living proof of who he is. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And Father, now, as we stand here in your presence, God, I invite you to shine a searchlight on us. As David prayed in Psalm 139, search me, O Lord. I want to know you. Want to know how you know me. If you're here today and you say, Jacqueline, I, I hear you, but I don't have that relationship with Jesus. I don't I don't know him as as you're as you're talking. I don't I don't know him, but I but I want to know him. If you want to know Jesus as your personal savior, if you want to invite Jesus to come into your heart so that you can be all that he has for you, raise your hand. I want to pray with you. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see those hands. I see those hands. Okay, before we go any further, I invite everybody in this room to pray this prayer with me. Now, this isn't magic words. This is how you feel in your heart. But we're going to invite Jesus to come into our hearts. And the Bible says when we confess with our mouth that he is the Savior, that he is the Lord, that we are transformed, that he does have a relationship with us. So dear Jesus, thank you for sending yourself. I am sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. And I invite you to come into my heart, into my life. Change me and transform me. I want to be the living proof of who you are. The things that I were doing that were sin, I'm not going to do anymore because you've come into my life and you have changed me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing me. In Jesus' name, Amen. Can we all thank the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for changing us. Thank you, Jesus. And now, for the rest of us, for all of us now, I invite you, okay? I am going to be asking God to reveal who he sees me as. How does he see me? What limited thoughts have I been thinking towards myself that I need to not think anymore? What limitless thoughts does he think towards me? What plans, what purposes does he have for me, for me to fulfill? How can I be the living proof of all that God is in every avenue of my life? So, as I pray, say this in your own words or pray with me. Dear Jesus, please reveal to me how you see me. What identity do you have for me? 
identity. Forgive me for the limited identity I put on myself. And reveal to me the ways that I can cast that aside and adopt the identity that you have for me. spoken to your life today. And so I want to invite you to invite Jesus to be in control of every circumstance. Maybe you've prayed this prayer before. Maybe today will be the first time you prayed it. But every time you ask Jesus to be in control of everything, every part, every person in your life, God does something to bring your heart to life. So I want you to pray with me right now. Dear Lord Jesus, you say it. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life, to be in control of every part. I give you all of me, Lord. Forgive me for my sins and my disobedience and help me to serve you all the days of my life. I make you Lord over everything. In Jesus' name, amen. And I want you to know that today, the Lord has done something in your life. Now, I also want to pray with you for those miracles in motion, those burdens. As, you know, in our service on campus, we come to an altar of sacrifice, a place of decision. And we say to the Lord, God, take all of me. Take every situation. I trust you. I believe in you. This is the season where the Lord reminds us that he came to say, Emmanuel. God with us. So I'm going to pray for you right now. I want you to know that I read the messages. I read your emails and I know the things that are weighing heavy on your heart. I love when you come to Rome and you come on campus, but even where you are right now in your country, in your city, the Holy Spirit is with you. And so Father, right now, we agree in prayer together for the miracle that is in motion. I pray, God, that a supernatural divine intervention would come upon your son and your daughter right now. For that one who has been sick and struggling with illness, may their faith jump alive right now. May the DNA of their body come into alignment with the way God designed it. And Father, that one who has struggled with worry and fret and fear, I pray in Jesus' name that the peace of God which passes all understanding would flow over your heart, your mind, your life, and every detail of your circumstance. The Lord is with you. Emmanuel, God is with us. And I want you to know today, he is Jehovah Rapha, your healer. He is Jehovah Shalom, our peace. He is Jehovah, Lord over all. You are complete in Jesus Christ. He will be with you this week. I bless you in the name of the Lord. Write us, send me an email. Let me know what God is doing in your life. We're in this thing together. We don't do life alone. And I'm standing with you for that prayer of victory and the miracle in motion. Have a fantastic week. I love you.